This guy's the most evil person you've never heard of. Don't you know I'm loco? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Some men are good, and some men are bad, and others are in between. But the men that we talk about are only evil men. That was really good. I mean, I love the intro song. It's a classic. But that was also really good. I mean, we could mix it up sometimes. That Thanks, was James. really nice, Mike. I also just came up with that off the top of my head. I was I felt inspired, and I guess that means that this episode has two, uh, two theme songs. Uh, maybe we'll get rid of the old one and use the new one forever now. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm looking at Wayne Brady over here, the way oh. you came up with that off the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> Whose one, line is it anyways? It's always Mike's. One time, <laughs> I, I think I've told you guys. First of all, welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Mike. I'm James. And I'm Chris Hartnett, James's <laughs> big brother. <laughs> I, I think I've told you guys this story before, but one time when I was in L.A. during my famous uh, stay in L.A. where I took Hollywood by storm, I was at a bar by myself, yeah. might I add. Picture it now, glamorous. And I was eavesdropping on a um, what seemed to be a first date uh, mm. happening beside me, and... It was a guy and this um, attractive woman, and he was trying to impress her. And I overheard him say, "Like, um, just uh, you know, no, it's no big deal or anything." But I, I've, I have worked with Wayne Brady before. <laughs> Mike, can I ask you a questione? Absolutely. About being in La La Land, California. <laughs> Did you ever see Johnny Depp in a white T-shirt, blue jeans, boots on, shades? Lots of necklaces and bracelets on, riding a Harley. <laughs> and a fedora. I, sadly, so here's, to answer your question, Chris, no. Well, he wouldn't wear the fedora on the Harley. Yeah, true. true. That would fall off. You'd have to stop every few meters, <laughs> get off your bike and pick up your fedora, put it back on. I never saw that, Chris. But one time walking in uh, Hollywood, I did see a discarded bandana on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I wondered if, it, if Carlos Santana had just been by or maybe Johnny Depp. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, let me ask you one more question about Hollywood. Um, have you ever seen Keanu Reeves with his long hair, shades, and a, a black leather jacket and black jeans on and, and motorcycle boots riding a Harley? That I did see. And you'd see it all the time uh, where I live. He'd always, he'd always be, you know, oh, there he is. And There'd the be first... multiple sightings yeah. at once. It yes. was very confusing. Yeah. That'd be funny if you saw Keanu Reeves and you're like, hey, Jack, Jack. And he's like, huh? You know, your hit movie with the guns, Jack. And he's like, that's called John Wick. <laughs> and you're like, whatever. I thought yeah. his, the guy's name was Jack. But you're great in that. What a way to treat your fans. That guy's a dick. <laughs> I thought the sh- I thought the show was called Jack Gun, <laughs> and he's like, "Show, it's a movie." <laughs> I saw the show on a plane, and it was awesome. But I thought it was called Jack Gun. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have a story about Keanu Reeves, though. My oh my, my brother God. went to Whoa. theater school, and they had a director in to direct like their 
end of your play or whatever. And and that's here in Toronto? It was just in, in Toronto, yeah, Etobicoke. Yeah. So Which West Keanu Toronto. Reeves grew up in Toronto. He, yeah, he's a, he's a damn Canuck, America. That's the harsh truth. But um, <laughs> his director Eat came it. in to direct a play for my brother's uh, year. And he had, this director had directed Keanu uh, doing Hamlet in Winnipeg, I guess. I remember hearing about that. Keanu uh, played Hamlet in Winnipeg hmm. in the early 2000s, I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he had such a, like, the, apparently the director and Keanu had, had forged a very, like, tight bond. Mm-hmm. And Keanu, at the end of, of the run, had gifted the director with, like, a beautiful silk scarf. And the director wore this Keanu silk scarf to class every day. It would, like, Aww. tell anyone at the drop of a hat, like, oh, Keanu gave it to me because I directed him in, in Hamlet. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. It makes me want to kiss the director on his head. <laughs> that's good. When, you're, when you've just done, filmed Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and everyone's like, it was a really fun, funny movie. What do you want to do next? And you're like, I want to play Hamlet. <laughs> you go right to Winnipeg. <laughs> The yeah, people of Winnipeg, like, welcome Keanu Reeves to play Hamlet. Keanu Reeves parade. Yeah, they want to play <laughs> damn Hamlet. What are we gonna do? Uh, send him to Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, London, New York. I'll do it. <laughs> and I love Winnipeg. I was just in Winnipeg, but you know, <laughs> Keanu all of Reeves, Winnipeg Hamlet. is a prison to me. <laughs> I love Winnipeg, but I feel like. If Keanu Reeves is going to try his hand at Hamlet, it's a good city to workshop in. You can't get much farther from Hollywood than uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hollywood. (laughs) Would you guys wear a scarf from Keanu every day? Oh, yes, I would. I would. Imagine if this director that wore it every day and he lives to be like 90 and at the end of his life he's just wearing this like, uh, who's that guy with that filthy scarf walking around? That scarf smells like nachos. (laughs) It's in tatters, and I can see salsa on it. That reminds me of uh, I took acting classes like ten years ago, and with some lo- uh, like a local acting guy, and he brought up. I guess his I don't know. I guess his most famous student was that he taught Scott Speedman, who you might. Oh, I know. I have the same. I had the oh, same yeah. acting He's coach. He's like kind teacher. of the big guy Felicity? in Toronto. Yeah, let's yes. not say, Felicity. Yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah, we won't say his name, but I took a f- couple of his classes. Yeah, and he would he would bring up like with a with a grin on his face, like you know, if you're feeling it in the scene, you know, you might just have an emotional display, <laughs> like I had that time with Scott Speedman when he literally punched a hole in the wall. Uh, yeah, yeah, like he was always talking. Story. We were doing about- a scene from The Odd Couple, and Scott punched a <laughs> hole in the goddamn wall. Oscar, you've got to clean this room up. <laughs> Sorry, I punched a hole in the wall. You're gonna be big, kid. <laughs> but yeah. Can I tell you, like, so he's famous for doing his hit, right? He gives you your hit. Yeah, when what you your hit is. Him. Yeah. So he's going around the whole class and all and these. Hit, and by that we mean yeah. what what you, vibe you give off. Yeah, what vibe you give off term. and what characters yeah. you'll probably end up playing on, on TV or whatever. Yeah. Uh, in police procedurals, most likely. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess Hudson and Rex is a police procedural. Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Michael. Pretty little. Pretty, pretty little things. <laughs> no, what's the Canadian one that's out now? I don't know. Pretty, ca- pretty hard, hard cases. cases. Pretty hard cases. That was oh, like I think like those guys. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. a com- me too. I like them too. I think they were going. It became a comedy and police procedural. Yeah, now. yeah. Um, but anyway, so he tells you, yeah, your hit is like this is what I get from looking at you, and 
he's going around the class and a lot of like uh women are getting you're gonna be like a factory worker mom that uh, is stressed <laughs> out and they're like it's kind of crying because it's like what say something nice you know yeah, yeah. so anyways he gets to me and looks at me for like a, a bit of a time <laughs> and then he goes like this i'm not making this up he goes you were gay? <laughs> and I'm not gay, but there's obviously nothing wrong with being gay, but my face went beat red like, this is what you say when you look into my beautiful eyes? And then to the next guy, I'm like, okay, so I'm like, he thinks I'm just, I'm a gay guy. Okay, whatever. So then he goes to the next guy and he goes, you could be the next James Bond. <laughs> I'm not making it up. I can show you the actor he said that to. He thought you would be a great like addition to the cast of like Will and Grace or something. (laughs) He was like, you could be gay, like with a question mark because he. I think he said it in a way that where he wanted me to be like, you're really good at this. I am gay. But I was just like, okay. And then he's like, wow, look at James Bond over here sitting beside this fat gay guy. You're the next Bruce Valanche. (laughs) What did the James Bond guy, like, did he honestly look like Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig or or even uh, Sean Connery? I don't know. You know, he's a tall, handsome guy. He had red hair, which I've never seen James Bond have. He can't be red-headed in James Bond. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's just like, the joke is not that uh, he thought I was gay, really, but also the main joke is, is like, every guy wants to be said... (laughs) You could be James Bond, but it's like that's all he figured out by looking at my doughy face with pretty eyes. That reminds me. It's the oh, same teacher James well, was talking about. I was going to say when he did my hit, he said some stuff about I look like a guy in the country who I don't know some. He look, I look like a guy in the country, but then he kind of ended it with being. With, he ended it by saying, "Dress better." <laughs> He just told me to dress were you, better. Were yeah. you wearing overalls and carrying a pitchfork? <laughs> uh, no, I was probably just wearing my Gap shirt. I think his class is less about acting and more about like mind games and power trips. Yeah. When I, I went to, but he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. If he's listening, we <laughs> Torontonians can probably figure out who we're talking about. He's a good guy. <laughs> I went to a, a uh, famous year of theater school, uh, and that's why you see me in all your favorite TV shows, movies, and plays. <laughs> Um, but we had in, in that year that like the first week we all got like evaluated like uh, physically and appearance wise and we had to walk in front of the whole faculty and like turn like like a catwalk kind of thing. I would and, love to and see they you gave do us, the catwalk. So picture me nineteen years old, I weighed like hundred pounds. And then my feedback after I had to like walk and turn and then walk around and do it again, they were like you have a strange walk. Your gait is very strange. Your shoulders are hunched, and you're very pale, very, very pale. So you could play Boo Radley. <laughs> what an industry we chose to participate. I literally in. never had a complex about what I looked like my whole life <clears throat> until I started auditioning for stuff. You know what, actually, Chris, I which I did start doing around twenty five years old. Maybe you, I, I don't know if you uh, neglected this intentionally, but I actually remember from years ago, Chris, you telling me another thing. He told you, <laughs> he, he, you said that he said something like, "Ah, finally, not another chiseled body or something like that." He, <laughs> you said he said to you something like that. Did he for real? Yeah, you said yeah. that, or not another chiseled face. Yeah. I, think I thought so. you might remember that. It's weird that I, I have a round you know. face. I can't no, get away I, from it. 
I'm hey. sure he said that. He did actually compliment my acting. You said he lo- really liked you. Yeah. So, but this I didn't stick guy, with... This gay guy, class, st- pay attention. <laughs> this guy's the best actor here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I never really yeah. took acting classes. That's more like... those. I took those two, and then it was like Second City classes when I was younger, and that's it. Nice. <laughs> For well, anyone listening who's really interested in our bios... <laughs> Hire us. Uh, well, we should mention we're here. We're, re- we're recording this one at my place. Yeah. My girl Shay James. That's right. My girlfriend is out tonight. We're recording this at night too. Yeah. So she's she's out there having fun, and but uh, I think she's probably at dinner right now, feeling a little bit jealous because us three are in here having a yes. drink and podcasting. We're podcasting. We've got a, a couple drinks on the go. We started the evening by watching some old 80s R&B uh, and a little bit of uh, maybe, uh, I guess, dance mid-80s dance hall reggae videos mm-hmm. on YouTube. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Cameo and uh, Cuddy Ranks. Roger Supercat. and Zap. Roger and Zap. Some yep. good music was happening before you guys showed up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were jamming. And uh, it's good to be here. I haven't been to your place in over a year and a half, and I bet, Chris, uh, you're in the same uh, basket. Now that we're all vaccinated, we're in the same basket, feeling <laughs> a bit confident, and James's place is beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. really nice. They don't have kids. No. No kids. Yeah, are you guys, are you guys <laughs> thinking of having kids? I mean, you know what is weird? <clears throat> if I ever do have one, I'm guaranteed to be an old dad. There's no getting around it now. Best yeah. case scenario. Well, I'm an old dad. Yeah, I mean, I, if I decide, I'll be a very old dad. <laughs> I'll die. I'll be on my deathbed while the child is being born, like Mick Jagger. Yeah, imagine yeah. that kid because he had like a baby two years ago or something. Imagine being yeah. the he fresh. He did. Yes, with you're like a, kidding me. A New York City ballerina who was like much younger than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a kid, and, and she loves him. Like he crazy. set a, he set them up. Like I don't think they're still together, but oh. So he's but, like what seventy five? He's like almost eighty. And then imagine being this like you, in the room, like this fresh newborn baby. You emerge from your mother's womb, and the first face you see is this like melting scarecrow going like, "Y'all right, mate? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the planet. There's Father Death. <laughs> if you stop me up, if you stop me up, I'll give you a kid." <laughs> the dog's like. Would you please stop dancing and swishing around? Yeah. Meet your new son. My favorite thing that happened with the Rolling Stones recently, and it's very sad. Obviously, it was a tragedy, but he was he lived a long, good life, luckily. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> the uh, the Rolling Stones were like Charlie Watts, the uh, the drummer for the Rolling Stones, has passed away. And we're very sad to hear that we got a new drummer. If you stop me up, and they just go on a tour right away, like the next day. And then Mick Jagger's posting all these things like, "I went unnoticed at a bar in Nashville, and I crashed a bachelorette party, and but I still miss my my soulmate Charlie Watts." He didn't even did he say that part? Uh, no, but like, exactly, he doesn't even fight. Yeah. Like you feel did, like they would take some more time saying stuff. I did see that video that came out recently of him dancing around, I guess, a rehearsal space, and it was from a few years ago. But oh, it, started, it wasn't it, recent. It was circulated again oh, okay. recently for some reason. Why does he but, do that for exercise? To get in shape for those to play to play the blues. <laughs> <laughs> All the great bluesmen used to have a aerobic studio where they right. dance uh. around and stretch. <laughs> you ripped off aerobics, your aerobic uh, class from uh, Bo Diddley. 
Muddy Waters used to do the splits before he hit the stage, and yeah. BB <laughs> oh. King would do a handstand, and he had parallel bars in his dressing room. Yeah. Every day I do like uh, 30 minutes of calisthenics before I sit in a rocking chair and stomp my right foot on a hardwood floor. <laughs> That's a harmonica. <laughs> Imagine being Muddy Waters is so good, eh? Who do you like better, Muddy Waters or Howling Wolf? I'm a Howling Wolf, actually, I'd say. I, I guess if I had to choose Howling Wolf, but I don't honestly know a ton about the, the damn blues. I love Howling Wolf. I don't either. In early rock and roll, nothing beats Bo Diddley. I know. The actual hits. song Bo Diddley, all of those British invasion garage rock bands ripped that off. Was he the first guy to sing about himself in a uh, boastful way that, that was uh, also ex- exciting? Uh, no, I think that... Um, the Benny Goodman Orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> Benny Goodman <laughs> is here to say, dance the night away. All the other orchestras suck. <laughs> yeah. How did he sing about himself? <laughs> well, I don't that know song, Bo Hey Bo Diddley. No. And like, he, and like the legend of Bo Diddley. He would sort of tell the story of how he became like a musical legend while yeah. he was still like new on the scene, sort of. Like, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. But the yeah. music was like, you know? You know, like oh, yeah. But the rhythm is so good. Like, if, oh, I really love if it. If he had never created that rhythm, mm-hmm. James, you never would have seen that video of Mick Jagger uh, practicing dancing in an aerobic studio. You know what's funny? When I said, "Oh, that song," because I thought mm-hmm. I recognized what you were doing, and then I realized I thought you were singing "I Want Candy." Same beat. Oh, oh yeah, same but is it the same though. thing? Oh, yeah. okay. I want Bo Diddley. <laughs> no, I want candy. Um, yeah. Even the Smiths, how soon is now? Uses that like. It's ingrained in our blood, and we don't even know. And Howlin' Wolf has all those like. Even our theme song, Howlin' Wolf. I feel like was pilfered drastically by Led Zeppelin and all those guys. Yeah, yeah. It's an ongoing theme on this podcast. Maybe Jimmy Page could be. Uh, an episode one time. I think we should do an episode, and I almost <clears throat> did it before. It'd be fun to look at the ongoing feud between Jimmy Page and Robbie Williams, who live yes. beside each other in London. And Robbie Williams has been trying to build a an addition to his house underneath his house to build like a pool and stuff. Yeah, which required a lot of excavating and stuff. And Jimmy Page. Like went to this town, the city council, and was like, "It's going to ruin my ability to record music because of the digging and the sound. It's going to ruin mm-hmm. my like expensive house." And so they've been feuding <laughs> for years. Oh my god, <laughs> that's great! Yeah. Well, should we transition? How do you feel? Want to talk a bit more? I mean, we'd na- great intro. I'm ready to be a right transformer man. <laughs> well, before transformer. we, sorry, no, that was good. <laughs> Well, before we transition into the topic, we should mention that we do have a Patreon. 
You can find it at patreon.com slash evil men. And you know what? Oh my God, it's really been growing and we appreciate uh, if you've joined up so much. It's so appreciated. And I think what we're going to do is use what we saved up there to go to another cottage and record a bunch more episodes because that was so fun. Absolutely. Thank you everybody so much if you've uh, checked it out. If you sign up to the Patreon, you get bonus episodes. And these aren't bullshit whatever episodes. These these are good ones. We have some really good long ones. We have uh, another one coming up from us around a campfire at yes. our last cottage. We've got a good long 40-minute chat with Aaron Reed coming up. Please check it out if you get the chance. And if not, don't worry. Maybe you could rate us and review us. That would be great. Thank you so much. Patreon, Patreon, do your thing. I'm gonna, you're going to get us a diamond ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Aaron Reed thing. Oh my God, it was funny. We were like, Aaron, can you talk to us for about ten, fifteen minutes to see if you're an evil man? And he talked. We hung out and joked around for forty, like five minutes or something. The Patreon episodes are basically like the intro is the whole episode. It's yeah. really fun, guys. So and the, you, the yeah. second campfire one is when we discover like the boy who was basically forced to write the book about seeing heaven and stuff. Yes. Oh, man, you guys, you got to hear it. The bonus episodes are like just the intro, so if you hate the fundamental premise of this show, (laughs) you're going to love the Patreon episodes. Yeah, Yeah, we're the opposite of WTF. I Mm -hmm. feel like people probably shut it off after the intro. Absolutely. Gentlemen, I have some unfortunate (laughs) news to tell you. It's time to get to this week's evil man and he's pr- he's a nasty fella a very gross guy I, you wouldn't want to meet him you certainly wouldn't want to work with him or uh, invite him to a dinner party his name Chilling. is Lavrenti Beria what yeah. Say it again. Lavrenti Beria Lavrenti Beria Lavrenti Beria now this is not you know it's not a it's not a normal name, I'll say it. Sounds like a coffee. Yeah, it does. Well let me give you a little introduction. It's not here. a normal name like John Smith or Keanu Reeves. <laughs> or Cutty Ranks. Lavrenti yeah. <laughs> Barry, it's a Georgian name, so he is a guy from the past. Let me give you a little bit of background on here. Um he is a very bad man who's sort of faded from history, but he was uh involved in some very awful and famous things. Known by the nickname Stalin's Butcher. Lavrenti Beria was responsible for tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of deaths, guys. As the head of the Soviet secret police in the 1930s and 40s, he presided over some of the grimmest crimes of the Stalin era, including mass executions, the great purge of the Communist Party, and the expansion of the Gulag system. And in his spare time, you guys must be wondering what he did in his time away from Tennis. the secret police. No, no, no. Golf. <laughs> He's no Jeffrey Dahmer or Tiger Woods. <laughs> In Beria's spare time, he oversaw the development of the Soviet nuclear weapons program and also committed hundreds of sex crimes. Oh, and God. He, yeah, and he did it all Beautiful. while looking like a mix between Phil Collins and Bob Balaban. <laughs> Oof. Today on Evil Men. <laughs> that really stands out to Christ. <laughs> He's the head of the Soviet <laughs> secret police. Does that, does that sound like Jello by Afro? Yes. Oh, okay. Today on Evil Men, we're making absolute fun of Lavrenti Maria. <laughs> Hit the music, boys. So have you guys uh, do you guys can feel it? 
Feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it. Uh, do you guys know anything about Laverenti Beria? Maybe have I've you seen never him? heard the name. I know nothing about him. The only thing I know, and you hit me to it, Cat, was cool. he was the bald guy with the glasses in um, Death of Stalin. Death of Stalin by uh, Armando Iannucci. Yeah, so he was uh, he was a character in the Death of Stalin. Uh, and he was played by the actor Simon Russell Beale, and uh, that's a great movie. Is um, Simon Russell Beale a good guy? I mean, why would you choose to play this yeah. character? <laughs> yeah, if an actor plays a bad guy, mm, something weird's going on. Yeah, why'd you make that choice? <laughs> oh my god! So <clears throat> he's an awful guy. Let's get started here because there's quite a bit. He, he's one of these guys who you look at his life uh, and you think, "Wow, so much happened, and he did so much." Um, and it makes you feel like your life is boring in comparison, but in, maybe in a good way. So, Lavrenti Pavlovich Beria was born in 1899 in the tiny village of Merkuli, Georgia, in what was then the Russian Empire, just like uh, Joseph Stalin, he was from Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> Georgia, on my mind. <laughs> you know, my... Um, my little brother worked at the liquor store for a while, and he was uh, at the cash one day, and a Georgian couple came up and were buying a bottle of wine. And he was like, "Oh, this is a wine. Uh, this is a wine from Georgia. I hear it's very good." And they were like, the the old lady was like, "Yes, this was Stalin's favorite wine." Really? <laughs> yes. Whoa. Wow. I well, guess, you know yeah. what? That's not an endorsement of what he did, but yeah. you know, he might have might have had good wine taste. Yeah, they might have hated Stalin, but. Wanted to know why he liked it so much. Yeah. So, little Lavrenti, his father, Pavel, was a poor farmer who abandoned the family oh. early in Beria's life. See ya. His ma- <laughs> Pavel, out! <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Raise yourself, fool. <laughs> uh, don't do anything evil. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his mother, Marta, was a deeply religious woman who eventually died in a church. Oh, well, that actually worked out. I'm coming, Lord. <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems ideal if, uh, if you love being at church and you love God. Yeah. It's like if we died podcasting. It would be this, uh, similar yes. thing. Yes, yeah. I would love oh. to live inside a Zoom H4N. <laughs> As, Imagine the as in the afterlife. <clears throat> Imagine yeah. the downloads if one of us died during an app. Oh my god! We oh yeah, we'd make the damn headlines. God. Imagine if Vincent Van Gogh uh, got uh, had a podcast. He has a YouTube video yeah. with like you know they do those pictures for the for the uh, the screenshots for like yeah. the previews. You know, and it's him <laughs> being like yeah, and holding his ear. <laughs> a new craze. Hey, you're listening to Vincent Van Gogh pod <laughs> once again. Nobody likes me. I don't know what the hell I have to do to get anybody's approval. Anyways. <laughs> So, um, as a young man, Beria excelled at math and science. He'd probably be in STEM these days if he, if he was around, right? Uh, he, went, he ended up going to university in uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. Ooh. It was in Baku in 1917 that Beria joined the Bolsheviks just before the October Revolution, uh, which was the coup that uh, the Soviets seized power and installed Lenin as the leader of Russia. Oh. Right? In 1920, during the Russian Civil War, Beria was arrested, though, and nearly executed when he was suspected of working for an anti-Bolshevik party. 
and only uh, the intervention of a senior Bolshevik spared him. So the Bolsheviks were the communists, yes? So they were a faction of the communists. There were ah. different... Fa- There's the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks were further, like, more radical. Ah. And they ended up seizing uh, power. Okay. Um, and it, so, I'm sorry... Was it the Mensheviks and the Bolsheviks against the crown, or were they... Yes, against, like, the uh, the monarchists, I guess. Okay. Have you ever seen Dr. Zhivago, James? No. Ooh, it's a really good uh, movie about that era. Mm, maybe I will. Um, then, while in prison... So this is a nice love story. He was in prison. Mm. Uh, he fell in love with Nina Gagachkori, his cellmate's niece. And the- Hi, Nina. <laughs> And they eloped on a train. Is that that cinematic? is actually really nice? Because I bet when you go into jail, you get your cellmate. You're going, oh my god! I hope this guy doesn't uh, beat me up or whatever. Yeah, yeah the guy's setting you up with his beautiful yeah. niece, and, and then he's you're like, like, I'm scared ho- of this guy, and all of a sudden his niece is giving me an HJ between the bars. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than I thought. And then he looks at the camera, and goes, "My life is so weird. <laughs> my life." <laughs> And that's probably the last nice thing that happens in his life. So his security career begins. Uh, The guy, he got out of university, got out of prison. He's like, I want to work for the secret police, right? In 1919, uh, he starts working for uh, the state security with the Azerbaijan Democratic Republic. A bunch of promotions happened in 1920. He joined the Cheka, which was the Bolshevik secret police in Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> now, the Red Army, so it's during the Civil War in Russia, uh, the White Army versus the Red Army. The Red Army invades Georgia in 1921, and the Cheka are heavily involved. In 1922, Beria is made the deputy head of the Georgian branch of the organization that replaced the Cheka called the OGPU. Lots of acronyms here. So you'd think a guy from Georgia is going to love his countrymen. You'd be wrong. In 1924, uh, Beria oversaw the repression of the Georgian nationalist movement. Wow. And, and uh, because of him, uh, 12,500 people were executed Ooh. and 20,000 were exiled to Siberia. Okay, now I'm going to sing a different Georgia song. It's by Joe Cuba and the sex- Sextant, you know, the, the, the old uh, Latin soul yes. guy. <laughs> I never go back to Georgia. <laughs> you know that one? I never go yes. back to Georgia. <laughs> After that. It's interesting, uh, the whole exile to Siberia thing. I once looked at a map of where all the people live in Russia, mm-hmm. and it's very heavily, heavily, heavily to the west, you know... Um, close to Europe. Yes, yeah, close to yeah. Europe. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it almost seems comparable to Canada, where everybody's yeah. in the south and the north's all empty, and it seems yeah. it's sort of similar. Everybody's in the west in Russia, and the east is kind of all empty. So it's, it's, what a weird thing to be like, we're just going to send you to this empty place and, I guess, live in a work camp kind of thing? Yeah, the gulags, the just in the frozen... Mm-hmm. I don't know tundra of Siberia. Is yeah, it tundra? I, I think. Yeah. And this is like a hundred years after, maybe say like Dostoevsky was there, because um, Siberia has been a place for a long time where they. So he would have been there in the eighteen fifties. Oh something? wait, oh he was there around that time. Oh no, Dostoevsky was there around that time in the eighteen fifties. Who are you saying eighteen fifties? Dostoevsky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was like, well, not a hundred years later, yeah. but, but it was like, like, like fifty, a, yeah. sixty, uh, seventy, seventy. So, I'm good at math, guys. <laughs> um, he meets Stalin, finally, a fellow Georgian in 1926. 
Uh, Beria becomes the head of the Georgian OGPU, which was the took over from the Cheka. He met jo- uh, Joseph Stalin, and he soon became the head of Stalin's holiday security, right? Holiday. And he gained a reputation for kissing Stalin's butt. He was always uh, complimenting Stalin and saying, oh, you're so great, and trying nice to get, get in his good books. <laughs> yeah. Stalin, your butt looks fantastic today. Ooh, have you been working out? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Beria even uh, built a holiday home right next to Stalin. So you got these two Georgian fellas in the prime of life, you know, just killing it uh, on holiday together, and they're having a nice time, and one is in charge of the other's security. Did, did they read books or play Pinnacle, or what did they do on holiday? They probably drank vodka and had people executed. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um more promotions. Beria was really good at getting promotions, and it's a lot of boring stuff, so I'll try and just uh, gloss over it here. In 30, 1934, he became a member of the Central Committee of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. Uh, at this point, he began attacking fellow members of the Georgian Communist Party. So he's turning his fire on his, his colleagues. He had the Minister of Education's brothers, George and Shalva, executed. So this is kind of like how death of... Death uh, to Stalin or death of Stalin? Death of Stalin. Starts. We see him like just d- getting rid of whoever he wanted. Yes, at that time. At that point, like, he was like the head of the. Um, there was NKV. nothing to tie anybody to anything, but he was just like, you're a traitor, whatever. It was all just based on whims and grievances. So this is him climbing yeah. up the ladder and starting this process. Like, well, let's get rid of that guy. Let's get yeah. rid of that so guy. He was like very ambitious and he was ruthless and would had the power to and he had no compunction against just killing people in his way or people who uh, had pissed him off, I guess. Imagine in the comedy community if you're like, oh, this guy's really doing well. I wonder if I can get him sent to, you know, the, the Northwest Territory <laughs> so he doesn't take a job. I I, I might get. There's a great se- comedy scene in Siberia just because of how many great comics <laughs> got sent there by jealous assholes. <laughs> so, um, more about Stalin. So, Stalin liked him a bit. He was his security guy. But he really won Stalin's favor, uh, Beria did, in the early 1930s when Beria, check this out, guys, he faked a conspiracy that was uh, being planned to assassinate Stalin, and then he claimed to have foiled it. Wow. And then Stalin was like, oh, you saved my life. But it was a, a whole, it was all it's like fake. It's like out of a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah you've got mail. Yes. Sure. You faked a death threat. <laughs> It's like you've got mail, but everyone eats cabbage soup and is freezing <laughs> to death. But they have cool hats and jackets, you got to yes, admit. They do. Um, he further impressed Stalin. Now, the butt kissing really reached its, like, its zenith here. Uh, he, Beria further impressed Stalin by publishing a fawning book called, and this is a catchy title, On the History of the Bolshevik Organization in Transcaucasia. And this was... This book was basically a love letter to Stalin and praised uh, Stalin for being such a great guy in that area of the uh, Russian uh, Republic. Wow. Basically like a love letter. He was just like trying to uh, curry favor with Stalin. People around him must have hated him. Like, oh, God, yeah. he's doing that again. Like, I bet you writing... he didn't even care about Stalin. No, he didn't. I no. bet. Imagine someone writing a book that was just fawning praise for Joe Biden or like Justin Trudeau or something and being like, <laughs> I love him. Yeah. And everyone, how would you react? You'd be like, I hate that. And it was like Christopher Freeland or, yes. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like he's the best leader. Yeah. It's freaky. Books, yeah, you'd be cynical. This book sucks, guys. 
Also, if you knew that he was responsible for everybody being executed, (laughs) you'd be like, oh, you're a little bitch. You know what? Yes. And I don't like saying the B word. I apologize. But in this sense, the really area was a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could call him a bastard, too. I don't know. Whichever makes you more comfortable. But Jesus. Um, So in 1934, the Communist Party uh, Great Purge began. Um, In 1934, the Leningrad party boss, Sergei Kirov was assassinated, and Stalin was freaked. He said, what the heck? And he reacted by uh, rooting out perceived enemies in what became known as the Great Purge. Beria ran the purges in Transcaucasia, which is like Armenia, um, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. And he used this the purges to settle some old scores and execute even more enemies. Just killing people because yeah, of the, the, the climate. Commu- the Communist Party in Russia has more twists and turns than Melrose Place. <laughs> Killing is my business, and business is good. <laughs> That's what it says when you arrive at the airport in Moscow. Both of those things are painted. Like, there's a mural on the wall. Melrose Place. And <laughs> so the Great Purge, which lasted from 1934 to 38, roughly, um, it wiped out one-third of the Communist Party. So it's like a ton of people and approximately uh, 750,000 regular citizens. You could just be picked up off the street by a uh, officer who had a grievance with you or some sort of bad blood. Um, And also millions of people were sent to the gulag. Everyone was paranoid and uh, it was a very terrible time uh, to be a Russian, I think. But I just want to say in reference to the quasi joke I said just now... um, there's so much savagery and so much killing around this era of the dark, dark times of Stalin and whatever you said this guy's name is, Javier Bardem or whatever. <laughs> What's his name? Beria? Lavrenti Beria? He's not Beria? as good looking as Javier He's not Bardem, as good as... I love Can right we now. talk about I did Javier. not mean to throw Javier in the mix. I got the name yeah. mixed up. Lavar. LeVar Burton? Burton. Yes. LeVar Burton. Oh, so this is the guy the they wanted to host Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. He rose. He lay, uh, he did all this stuff. Then he played Jordy LaForge. Then reading Rainbow. <laughs> Take a look. It's in a book. You're going to the prison. Butterfly um, in the sky. Can I have a word with you? I can do anything because I've curried favor with Stalin. But the thing yeah. is, is what I wanted to say was there's so much mass executions. It's clearly psychotic. It's a dark, dark time. People were trapped behind the iron curtain they were freaked for their lives but it almost is like there's so much bloodshed and so much arbitrary rooting out of innocent people to be murdered there had to be some sort of business connection to it otherwise i don't understand the sadistic aspect of it you mean like like him making money like did executioners make money did like you know, well, wasn't it power? Like, if you're in power, you live this sort of I get, wonderful life. I yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I guess like it's weird when you're a ruler. I mean, we've already had Ivan the Terrible on an episode, so we already kind of get this kind of thing. Mm. But it's weird when you're like a ruler and uh, you're not ruling anybody; you're killing them all. <laughs> I think the paranoia of. Uh, it's because they 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 were born out of a, a revolution. 
Yes. And so you're never fully satisfied that everyone's on your side. And so it becomes this insane conspiratorial paranoia. Also, they, they know the whole Western world was against them. And then they start to... to but like Beria see, or whatever is a yeah. sadist. And he's yes. basically <laughs> curing... He's, he's yeah banding himself up with Stalin. Not with the same paranoia as Stalin. But because he doesn't really f- probably fucking care. Yeah. He's probably just... Benefiting from his yeah. sadistic behavior, knocking off anyone who could possibly stand in his way. You know these stem guys—they're all fucked up. <laughs> they, they <laughs> kill their enemies. Yeah. Um, anyway. Kind of see what I'm saying, though. Yes. No. I, I don't think there was any sort of uh, financial. It's like he's probably not even political. He just wanted power, I think. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, he attained it. Um, so the Great Purge is going on. Uh, 1934 to 38. It was overseen by the NKVD leader Nikolai Yezov, and the NKD, NKVD was the ministry that oversaw the state security and police forces. Later became the uh, the KGB. So many people were killed in the Great Purge that it started to damage the economy, the infrastructure, and even the uh, armed forces because they killed like a million people, and millions of people were imprisoned. That the society sort of got like it couldn't function properly because there weren't enough people to do all the jobs and and everything because the regime was so paranoid yeah and, so that's what i'm saying that's yeah. like the opposite of what i'm saying like there's literally no benefit no no they as they a country cut off their nose to yeah spite their whatever the dick. russian word for face yeah is. they you cut off your nose <laughs> to spite your dick <laughs> so even stalin just though, don't cut off the dick <laughs> <laughs> well true <laughs> lorena bobbit much lorena bobbit <laughs> Even Stalin was like, what the fuck? And, and <laughs> in like 1938, he was like, things are out of hand. The, the country is fucked because everyone's dead or in jail. This is no way to run a nice country. And uh, so he was like, what's up with the leader of the NKVD, this guy Yezov? In 1938, mm-hmm. Beria succeeded Yezov as the head of the NKVD. Nice. And Yezov, for his, for his uh, pains, was executed in 1940. And some say... He was personally strangled to death by Lavrenti Beria. Well, this is um, that's not nice. No, I I heard that the only businesses that really flourished during this super paranoid tense time in Russian history is uh, gourmet donut shops. <laughs> they had donuts that had like Cap and Crunch on top, and you know bacon donuts. It was pretty. Those those places still did well. Well, that's something. Do you think there's a Timmy's in in Moscow or you know Saint what? Petersburg? I, I, what? To, I Timmy's? saw yeah, maybe. I saw a Timmy's in Dublin, Ireland. I've seen that. And I know there's one in in uh, there's a, a bunch of them in Saudi Arabia, and they put really? up a day for the Sa- Saudi National Day on the Tim Hortons Saudi Arabia Instagram page <laughs> with a picture of like someone drinking a coffee with a mural of uh, MBS in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Just as. The original Tim Horton envisioned the hockey player for the 1975 Toronto Maple Leafs or whatever. He saw one day his coffee shop would be all about Saudi Arabia. Wow. Do they have a Hooters in Russia at this time? Right now, probably? No, at this time. At this time, yes. (laughs) That was where it came from. (laughs) And they still acted this nuts. Mike um, got me onto following the Russian McDonald's Instagram account, (laughs) and it's pretty funny. I don't know. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's just literally a McDonald's Instagram account. Russian McDonald's and Russian Cinnabon also, I can recommend. (laughs) The Cinnabon Russia account is so funny. Because if you translate the... 
uh, the captions they put for the the pictures they're so earnest and abrupt. Uh, it's like you need you need sweets for your day because of work. Come to Cinnabon. <laughs> you feel better from eating Cinnabon. You're not supposed to just say the thing. Yeah. No, <laughs> Put a little jazz on it. Yeah, they need a Don a Russian Don Draper to come <laughs> and fix it up. You need sweet you need sweets cinnamon whipped cream or whatever. What's it what's it icing? You need yeah. sweets with cinnamon icing on it because uh life is hell, isn't it? <laughs> Enjoy one good little tasty thing. Sorry, so, I blew that. That sucks. No, shit. it's it's great. And I don't know what my accent was. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it was so, good. So after he had maybe uh, strangled Yezov, the head of the uh, NKVD, to death, Beria then purged the NKVD and appointed people who were loyal to him. Um, by 1939, he was one of the most powerful and senior leaders of the Soviet Union. But then, just when everything looked amazing, guess what happens? What? Mr. Adolf Hitler says, let's do a World War II, and everyone's like, cool. Oh, man. Damn. So in World War II, um, obviously, it was terrible for Russia. Do you guys know the, the stats? Like, um, So we grew up sort of thinking like America won World War II. 400,000, roughly, American soldiers were killed in World War II. Mm-hmm. Russia lost like 27 million people in World War II. So... Really? Oh, yes. So You're saying 27 Canada. million? Really? 27, yes. So Did like, Adolf Hitler say sorry, not sorry? Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. I did know that. And that is, I mean, it, it really is unthinkable. Uh, yes. I mean, it's, that's insane. I like the idea million. of Barria going, really? <laughs> You're going to kill <laughs> that many people? Really? <laughs> Thanks for watching Weekend Update. I'm Seth Myers, and this is Lavrenti Barria. <laughs> Really? That's how many people you're going to kill? Okay, <laughs> then. So, Russia, so that just happened. Yeah, after World War II, Russia was like, uh, can we not? <laughs> um, but yeah, a terrible time <laughs> for Russia horrible. that was already undergoing a terrible time. Yeah. And as if fighting against the Nazis and losing 27 million people it's, at least wasn't bad enough. That doesn't even make sense to the me. The purges continued within Russia and oh. the Red Army. So okay. him. Let's pause for a sec. I know you're you're so good at this, Mike, and you're 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 at the height of something, and I'm probably ruining it. Please, yeah, but be my guest. People, okay. First of all, people where did that are many people? So <laughs> why should it be? We should all get along. So <laughs> we shouldn't get along awfully. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing: how are there that many people? And then also more people still around. And two, if you're a woman, why would you give birth to this meat grinder? (laughs) It's just fucking unfathomable to me that people could even like uh, survive even a little bit. Was it Russians are horny? To answer your yeah. question, uh, yeah, they love baby. To do it even when they're all being slaughtered, was no, it not? no. I heard that twenty-seven million were killed during World War Two. Yeah, baby. <laughs> was it not partly that um, Stalin, uh, like, he sent just man after man after man? Like, it was a bit of a lack of regard for human life. Oh, right? absolutely. Just being like, okay, just they send just in waves, man after man. Waves of, of soldiers yeah. to be They're all getting killed. And that's to, why I said meat grinder. To hold off the Nazis, yeah. And it, yeah. it did work, because they had, over the Nazis, they had, like, an in, almost inexhaustible supply of, of soldiers to yeah. just, like, 
try and fend off all know. of Germany. Germany was, uh, yeah, yeah. So here's my impression of a wood chipper. Uh, apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now That's you could good. Yeah, but to okay, that was good. But, no, well, I was going to say to me, it sounds like one of those. Uh, ha- there's sort of a hedge trimmer kind of thing. You hear, you hear gardeners, or use. like maybe a bandsaw, or a whippersnapper. I think you call it. Or oh, a, anyways, weed whacker, weed whacker, Michael. Thank you. I was You're searching welcome, for James. the word, and it was bothering me. Weed whacker. Well, have you yes. ever seen like how much a wood chipper just like demolishes, eviscerates a, a I have a yes. piece of wood into like. Less than splinters so quickly. It humiliates the twenty-seven wood. million pieces of wood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so Russia has it. Just put back in context here. Russia's having a terrible time fighting Hitler and his band of silly Nazis. But also, I'm glad you didn't say band of merry men. No, no, that would be Robin Hood. Inappropriate. These are Nazis. They're not fun people. Um. So in the midst of this, yeah, the purges within Russia and also within the Red Army continue. They're trying to fight Hitler, but Beria and Stalin are, are you know, uh, arresting high-ranking Red Army generals and officers. They're executing them and sending them to the Gulag in the midst of the fighting, wow. which seems like a strange uh, tactic when you're fighting a, a huge war. I'm genuinely shocked, and I'm going to jump off of James's balcony now because I can't take it. Uh, well... Okay, this is fucked. So um, we're gonna leave that in the in the background for a time for the time being. But uh, one of the major crimes that Beria is uh, notorious for is something called the Katyn massacre. In 1940, during World War II, um, there were like all these Polish prisoners of war being held in the western part of uh, of Russia near Belarus and Ukraine. And Beria was like, you know what? These uh, these guys are enemies of the Soviet Union. And with the stroke of a pen, he had 22,000 Polish POWs uh, executed and buried in mass graves. Hey, guys, I didn't die when I jumped off the balcony. I took the elevator back up to James's apartment, and I just want to say, <laughs> that's nuts. It's loco. When in that song by Cypress Hill, Insane in the Membrane. But at the beginning, doesn't someone say, are you loco? Yes. Well, if Beria had been on the receiving end of that question, he'd probably go... Yeah, that's kind he of goes, thing. Don't you know? Uh, he's like, don't you know who you're messing with? I say, uh, don't you know I'm local? Yeah. And then uh, the other guy in the song goes, Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Of course, I know that. I'm your best friend. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> so insane in the brain with my friend. So the Katyn Massacre is a very dark stain on the history of the <laughs> She chose Union. that moment to uh, do a beatbox act. Of, uh, because yeah. <laughs> and I, I take it personally uh, to heart because I love, and you guys know this, I, my, one of my favorite snacks are sesame snaps. That's and right. those are produced in Poland. Um, Damn, so, dude. Beria, also at this point, he started clearly using... Clearly affected by all this death yes. and mayhem, but it's... A long time ago, and it's just too overwhelming to think. You yeah. can't process uh, high numbers like that. <laughs> it's true. It yeah. doesn't make sense. Um, also, and we deal with grief by joking around. Yes, because we're damaged and we uh, we are immature and we have we suffer from mental illness. That's right. <laughs> in 1940, in the midst of, <laughs> in the midst of World War II, the Katyn massacre. You think, wow, Barry has a lot on his plate. Surely he can't take on more. 
Untrue. In 1940, he also helped organize the assassination of Leon Trotsky in Mexico City. Ice pick in the damn head, you know? Oh, yeah, right, right, right. I'm sorry. That, I, Chris, that's not what an ice pick sounds yeah. like. Oh, I knew about the Trotsky thing, too, because I saw Frida. I yes. saw the movie Frida with Salma yeah. Hayek. Well, maybe, okay. the ice, maybe while he stabbed him with the ice pick, he went, like, <laughs> and pretended it was a gun. But <laughs> It's a gun. Yeah. Um, so all this awful stuff is happening. Near the end of the war in 1944, finally the Soviets are gaining the upper hand on the, the damn Nazis, who, by the way, we all think stink. Um, <laughs> Beria then was put in charge of how to handle the various ethnic minorities who throughout the war had been accused of anti-Soviet uh, sentiments or uh, accused of collaborating with the Germans. Oh my God, can you just relax for yeah. one second? So we're talking about the, <laughs> the Tatars, the Chechens, different ethnic minorities in Russia. He had them all deported to uh, Soviet Central Asia, and during this process, one and a half million people died. Oh, I'm literally... Wow. I mean, really, I have a, I'm having a panic attack right well, now. Well, it really is, um, you know... I, I would say it, it seems as though as far as genocidal things mm-hmm. go, this is really I, I, it feels under the radar. Maybe that's just my own ignorance. But, you know, this is really horrific. It's really horrific. And Stalin is the one associated with all this stuff, you know, for good reason, because mm-hmm. he approved what Beria did. But Beria was like the, the ideas guy. Possibly. He really pushed oh, the agenda. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what a button on that conversation. (laughs) It is insane in the membrane. Yes, it is. We'll have to get a clean uh, take of you saying, don't you know I'm Loco Man, to do at the very beginning before the theme song. Don't you know I'm Loco? (laughs) So, um, near the end of the war, uh, in 1944, the NKVD were assigned to supervise the Soviet atomic bomb program. And guess who was put in charge of that? Our man. Beria. Laurenti Beria. Uh, he had to marshal 330,000 people, many of them gulag workers, to dig uranium uh, out of the earth and, and build the bomb. In the end, they, um, they didn't have to use it in World War II, but they certainly developed it. Okay, the war is done. We're getting to the end here. Our friend Beria, he doesn't, he's not long for this world. Good. good. Honestly, good. Yeah, he's we- the most despicable person I've ever heard of in my life. You're a mean one, Mr. <laughs> Barrier. You know what, Chris? It's almost like he's the most despicable person you've never heard of. Yeah, That's good kind of call. a good logline of this guy. Yeah. Yes. Hey, I'm, what can I say? I'm, I'm in, the, in, the... in 1945, <laughs> Lavrenti Beria, so the war is over, he is rewarded for his duty to the Soviet Union. He's made a marshal of the Soviet Union. Guys, this That's is the country's need. highest military rank, right? Joseph Stalin was also a marshal. Uh... Stalin was 20 years older than him, and he was in his 70s at this time. And Beria, he's an operator. He's been ambitious all of his life. He's moving around. He's you know, bumping off his enemies. It's clear he wants to replace Stalin when Stalin dies. And so he's making moves. He's forming alliances. He's you know, laying the groundwork. Which is what death to Stalin or death of Stalin is about. Yes, the, uh, the jockeying for, for power. In 1946, Beria resigned as head of the NKVD. And he took on the role of deputy prime minister and curator of the organs of state security. So he's still in charge of all the, the p- secret police and the regular police. And a power struggle is emerging in the Soviet senior leadership because they all know that, Soviet, uh, that Stalin, you know, he's not going to be around forever. The guy's getting old. And at this point, I think it's time for us to talk about some, a different aspect of Lavrenti Beria's life. So 
He had uh, people sent to the gulags. He executed people. He was an awful man. He developed a nuclear bomb. But also, when he wasn't doing all that stuff, he was a very prolific serial rapist. God. It is estimated that he has hundreds of victims, and he had a, ver- like a scientific method for for uh, carrying out these crimes. He was known for cruising the streets of Moscow late at night in his limousine, right? After a hard day at work, condemning 22,000 Polish prisoners to death, he would drive around with his chauffeur. Uh, when he saw a, a pretty girl that he liked, he'd have his security detail, snatch her off the this streets. this is terrible. This is by far, out of every episode we've done so far, this is by far the scariest man. He's a really scary dude. He makes you really Mike picked, Myers yeah. look like damn uh, Where's Waldo. Yes, yeah. and you mean Mike Myers, the evil character, not the Toronto comedian. Because <laughs> well, either way, either way. Well, yeah. So, but it is like this is scary. So yeah, he's hunting the horrible. streets in a limousine. Uh, he sees a girl he likes, and he's, he goes like, Hur. and then his detail takes her off the streets into the car. They go back to his place. He has dinner with her, gives her wine and a nice oh. meal. He would bring her to a, a spare bedroom and assault her, do whatever he wanted with her against her, her will. In the morning, the girl would be offered a, a bouquet of flowers, and if she accepted it, it was understood that then that meant that the, she agreed that the sex was consensual. If she turned it down, bad things could happen to her or her family. It might disappear. Uh, her family might be sent to a gulag. Fuck. This, this is, is like the- really awful. It's really bad. Damn. It's like the thing where it's like, if you sink, you're a witch. If you float, no, if you float, you're a witch. If you sink, you weren't a witch. Mm-hmm. Like you're screwed no matter I what. Mean, as if you know you what? Win. It's almost like the genesis. The the all the, the the like just oh kill those people is almost too big to even comprehend. But that one hits me. It's because it, you know it's more. It's yes. easier somehow to get your head around. And it's like fuck, horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. <clears throat> And he was the most rotten person I've ever heard of. He's rotten egg, and he looks like a rotten egg. He looks like damn, like we said earlier, Phil. I Collins. hope he had a good, like a satisfying death, like for us. Well, let's get to it now because good. he is about to get fucking smoked. Good. So in 19- I know this because I saw the movie, right? Yeah, if you've seen the death of Stalin, uh, it's mostly around what we're talking about right now. So in 1953, Joseph Stalin was found unconscious. <laughs> Just the entire year of 1953, he was found <laughs> unconscious in his Moscow dacha. Uh, Beria and other officials saw him lying on the ground. He was unconscious. He had pissed himself. Maybe a little bit of poo as well. Good, you stupid idiot. Yeah. And uh, some, some of these officials were like, we need to call a doctor. But Beria was adamant that, like, no, you're, you're, uh, you're panicking. Get a hold of yourself. We're not calling a doctor. And they didn't call a doctor for 12 hours. And that probably resulted in Stalin dying like five days later. I think he died after like suffering just in, in agony and you know, maybe he deserved it. Uh, Khrushchev, who was, uh, Beria's like political rival. He hated Beria. He wrote in his memoirs that when Stalin showed signs of consciousness, Beria dropped to his knees and kissed his hand. But when he fell unconscious again, Beria immediately stood and spat. Oh. So Barry had fallen Khrushchev out of favor. Khrushchev was played by Steve Buscemi? I, I forget. <laughs> I forget. But, but you're uh, saying Stalin peed his pants a little bit? Yes. <laughs> Good. Or a lot, depending on which history you believe. That's um, what he gets. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm peeing myself. Um, but, yeah, Stalin had sort of uh, 
sort of fall, fallen out of love with Beria over the intervening years. And he sort of knew, I think, that Beria was trying to, like, he was gunning for his position when he died. Uh, when Stalin eventually died, Beria sprang into action. People said uh, at his funeral, at Stalin's funeral, that Beria was radiant and regenerated. Uh, and that uh, he left the room where the body was and, like, loudly, like, called for his driver and was, like, gleeful. Ugh. Some believe that Beria may have even poisoned Stalin. Oh, wow. I, I mean, it sounds like he absolutely might have. Yes. Yeah. So in the wake of Stalin's death, Beria was appointed first deputy premier, which was uh, made him the second most powerful man in the country after his ally, Georgi Malenkov. Uh, mm-hmm. in, the, uh, in the days after Stalin's death, he uh, denounced Stalin, released some tapes... Uh, where he was talking to Stalin, where he was like, see, you can clearly see Stalin had lost his marbles, he was crazy, uh, and then Beria, like, tried to, like, enact these reforms to make himself look like, I'm a great guy, he, like, released a million prisoners, uh, he welcomed exiles back to Russia, and sort of, uh, tried to, like, li- uh, liberalize, uh, the laws in Russia and make himself look like he was, like, a progressive, nice guy. But, whether he actually was genuine in those, you know, reforms is, is debatable. As I mentioned before, Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev, um, hated Beria, and he was in a power struggle with Beria and Malenkov. And Khrushchev was having a hard time sort of like uh, figuring out like Beria's weak spot. And then there was a, a thing happened in East Germany where a bunch of workers revolted and were protesting against the conditions and they didn't want to be communist anymore. And uh, Beria, in, I guess in the press was like, I'm open to um, Germany reun- reunifying and like get us, Russia getting like aid from the US. Maybe Germany doesn't need to be part of uh, the Soviet Union anymore. And that was when Khrushchev seized on it and was like, you're not a true believer in communism and, and the Soviet Union and like you're a traitor. So a party coup was organized on June 26th, 1953. Beria was arrested and held Sorry, in an undisclosed out. location near Moscow. And the details of what happened are murky. No one quite knows exactly what unfolded. But sometime between his arrest in June and December 23rd, 1953, Beria was killed. Oh. So here's Beria almost creating these more liberal policies, maybe done cynically, and Khrushchev seized on that as like this, almost like... He was this willing to give away East Germany, yeah. Right. And they were like, well, wow. what, what do you believe, basically? Hmm. Now, some say Beria was, uh, the way he died, some say he was dragged into a room and shot in the head or tortured, snuck out of, of the room where they held him, passed his own guards and taken to like a, a distant jail cell where he was tortured by his own NKVD uh, interrogators. <laughs> um, some say he begged for his life like a baby, but he, he definitely died. And then Khrushchev became uh, the leader and then denounced Stalin and Beria's policies when he became the leader. And that's the end. Boy, oh boy. I mean... And then only two years later, less than two years later, all the way in America, Bo Diddley's song, Bo Diddley, became a number one R&B hit. (laughs) Holy shit. Isn't that wild? I can't believe that connection. Bo Diddley was playing his music (laughs) while this was all happening. Imagine if Bo Diddley had been a Soviet citizen. He probably wouldn't have lived to release that song. And then I Want Candy might have never happened. 
No. That is absolutely doing my head in. Now, you, there was a lot of information in the last 10 minutes. don't want candy. And I feel like there wasn't a lot of comedy, but no. you know, that, was the, that was just the way history unfolded. No. That's, all of USSR did not have any comedy back then. It's a sad history. No yeah. question. So take a look at me now. Guys, I mean, I guess you know what time it is. It's time to uh, for me to reach into the closet here. I'll just open the door and pull out the evil scale. Do you need some help with it? Oh, I would love if you could help wheel out this big right. old rickety evil scale ben, with ben me. Oh, oh, God. Oh, my God. Here we go. All right, because it's, it's pretty small, too, is the thing that listeners don't know, but it's no. very heavy. It's, it, it is lo- it's like a dense mass. It's almost, yeah. it's almost like a, a star that's yes. collapsing in on itself. It's mm-hmm. got so much mass. I like the way you put that. Anyway, we got the evil scale here. Um, we, we rate everybody on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being least evil, <laughs> 10 being most. Um, Michael, where the hell do you rate this prick? Now, this might be an evil man first, because I'm going to give you an improper fraction. No, I did that for Cthulhu, but okay. Okay, well, I'm going to do the second improper fraction. That's, of course, when the numerator is of a greater value than the denominator. I'm going to say that Lavrenti Berry was a 100 out of 10 <laughs> evil guy. Oh, my God. Okay. With, I'll 1, accept it. 1,000. 1,000 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. I think All he was right. a stinker, and he was a rude man, and he was a... Uh, De- depraved monster. A stinker could not be yeah. better. Better. And if he's that. in heaven right now, which he's probably not, he's in hell, uh, I know he would have me executed for saying this, and I'm just smiling my head off knowing that he's mad. Well, you better hope he's not in heaven when you get there, or he'll execute you there. Imagine if he's in heaven when I get there. That would be actually fucking annoying as hell if you go up there, and he's fat assholes there. Chris? Um, <clears throat> as Nigel Tufnell said in Spinal Tap, this... Evil men scale goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're putting him at an eleven out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. Well, I feel like I'm the one who he's evil as hell. Oh, I'm you scared love of this him, man. James. I you do love not. Him. Love I saw you him. making a sort of smiling and making eyes no, at no. my laptop the whole episode. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I just take you know, I just take the scale very seriously. And you know, I don't, I don't throw around tens or nine, nine point nines or anything like that. I don't. I'm very, I think, like you know, I, I try to be very even, uh, level-headed when I when I use the evil scale. I think he's a nine point. Um, I'm gonna say a nine point eight. Nine point eight. Yes. What? Why Out not of, a full yeah. ten? Why not? Because you gotta think. <laughs> 10 is the most imaginable. I mean, that surely has to be reserved for a select few. So it's really just about leaving a bit this of space. This is one of the most evil people I've ever heard of in my but life. But 9.8 on a scale out of 10 is What's incredibly worse? evil. What's worse? There might be just a person or two in history, and I'm leaving just a tiny sliver of space for them. Okay. I think that's wise. I, I like how you did that, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Like You have to leave a little bit of room for people worse, but boy, oh boy, there's not much worse. And someone I've never heard of. So right now, Lavario Bartini is one of the most <laughs> evil men you've yeah. ever heard of. Yes, I think. I mean, leaving a little bit of room, but he was bad. He was if, if disgustingly Le- bad. I just if- want to reiterate, too. Mike gave Chevy Chase a 7.5 <laughs> or something. So, yeah. 
you think if LeVar Burton goes to Russia, people are like, oh, you're Laurenti. Yeah, I've heard about they, you. They roll their eyes and go, no thanks, buddy. It's very possible. Too close in name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Polish. I lost many relatives. I don't like Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> However, I could see Jordi LaForge's visor becoming a popular fashion accessory in Russia. Jordi even Absolutely. sounds like Jordan. Yeah. I mean, Georgia, sorry. Yeah, Georgia LaForge. Yeah. Georgia yeah. LaForge. That would be funny. <laughs> he just starts being the Georgian superhero. <laughs> 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 oh man! Well, excellent job, Mike. I yeah, mean, wow. That was Talk very about some thorough, very interesting information. Gripping, Thanks. and also like, I know we were like, "Oh, Freddy Krueger is the Halloween episode," <laughs> but it's like still a few weeks away from Halloween. This guy is right up there on par with scary things for Halloween too. I think Beria would make even Freddy Krueger, who is no, you know, no choir boy, uh, <laughs> tremble, and he would start. You know, clacking his uh, knife fingers together in yeah. fear. You know, right. it is true. Like, you imagine a scenario where somehow Freddy Krueger meets Beria. And Does, I don't know. I yeah. feel like they would get along. I mean, I'm not even joking. Like, what exactly would Freddy object to about Beria's, you know, yeah. There's no way Beria didn't have his own glove with knife fingers. Yeah. No way. Attached well, to it. Also, but I can think. So Krueger, I think, sounds like a German name. So Krueger... Mm-hmm. Would have been in the 1930s or 40s, probably enlisted in the, the German army, the Nazis, and he would have been fighting Russians. So there's like an, a, a built in rivalry between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know. Well, maybe they would have been enemies, but yeah. it, it is interesting to think about. Now, I, I do recall. Yeah, but, you know, on Christmas, they probably still played soccer or whatever. <laughs> Freddy yeah. Krueger and Laurenti Barrier played soccer <laughs> during Christmas and sang Silent Night. <laughs> Remember how we talked about that <laughs> Freddy Krueger was in a, a version of Mortal Kombat that was released? Oh, I, oh, I don't remember us talking about that. How I think I we talked that? about that with, with Aaron Reed, but imagine if also they added a new character to a Mortal Kombat. I'm thinking of Laurenti Barria. Wow. Oh, and you know what? You'd press, like, you know, you'd press a bunch of buttons to do a move, and it wouldn't be him like kicking or punching you. It would be him signing something to have you executed. That's a the bunch thing. Of, yeah, he'd go... Yeah. F- He'd go finish him, but he'd be the one saying finish him, and then other secret police underneath him would go and do the deed. <laughs> yeah. You'd see a, uh, see a stadium of 10,000 people just like mowed down with machine guns. Yeah, uh, God. Yeah. They're real people, man. That is so sad. I really don't get, like, when we talk about people like uh, Stalin and I- Ignacio Beria or whatever, and... Uh, <laughs> Ivan the Terrible and people like that so far, like we've talked about, with the, with that much power and disrespect for uh, human life, it makes me. I'm literally curious how that many people existed in the first place to have that many people killed. It just like is well, mind-boggling. And then there's still people left over to threaten to kill. Yeah. God, should we should we try to end the note on uh, end the show on a positive note or talk about like not everybody, everybody was killed? <laughs> should we do a wish for humanity? Each of us go around and and yeah. and uh, say a wish for humanity. Mm-hmm. Sure, you go first. All right, my wish for humanity is that everyone has a nice time, chills out, watches a nice Cuddy Ranks video on YouTube, maybe has a um, a nice cold drink and uh, mm. kisses their sweetheart or tells their crush. How they feel about them. Oh, do you remember the first time you told a crush that you liked her? Uh, 
I do. Yes, yes. And then she she sort of just like uh, laughed and sort of became quiet and then went to the other table in uh, the high school lunch cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. The first girl I told to also wasn't into it. Do you remember, Chris, the first girl you told that you liked her? Um, Let's say it was your wife. There was a tall, beautiful girl. I won't say her name. In my high school. What letter did her name begin? Oh. Okay. I'll tell you later. And she was stunning, and I had a big crush on her. And she was a year older than me. And I told her... No, a friend told her that I had a crush on her. And she giggled and said, that's cute. Mm-hmm. But that's... Oh. Yeah. And she actually is became a model, like a sexy model. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll show the you. The model laughed and like, that's cute. <laughs> that's cute. I'm now check this out. I'm a model. You know what I mean? And I say no to Chris on the catwalk. Yeah. Imagine her at a like at a New York fashion party going like, did I tell you guys about this kid in my high school who has a crush on me? And then... Uh, like uh, RuPaul laughs his head off, and uh, you know. <laughs> I'm sure that happens to me a lot, and I don't know about it. <laughs> Lots of women laughing about me at parties for sure in New York. Yeah, I told the girl I liked in between classes, like walking from one class to another. I like you, by the way. Yes, honestly, hey, great basically. class. I like you. I absolutely similar. And that's uh, crazy about the Russian Revolution uh, yeah. and Stalin. I love you. Well, I didn't say I love you, but <laughs> yeah. I basically did. Yeah, say, you don't start. You don't open with I love baby. You. I love you, <laughs> <laughs> mm, baby. I love you. Ways. <laughs> Can I carry your books? I'm sorry, I'm ruining. So this what case. happened? Not at all. I. But it was very similar to what you said. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, I like you. And, you know, it was like walking between classes. So she's like, oh, and then I went to another class. And then I heard from another friend. She was like, oh, that's nice that he said that, but I'm not interested. Oh, no. Damn. Did, you, did you sit next to her at the class after you told her you liked no, her? Oh, no, no. Did you give her some space? Oh, I like, did. I did. Oh, did you, yeah. Did you feel I'm like there was a master like a- of giving space, I think. Okay. Yeah. Could you tell when you said it, like, it may have been a mistake? Like, uh, well, you know, when you're when you're that age, you got to go for it. Yeah. I mean, you either say it and get rejected or just yeah. pine uh, indefinitely. Yeah. <sighs> you know. <clears throat> yeah. So what's your wish for humanity? Oh, yeah. Wish for <laughs> humanity. Um, and it can be anything. Oh, everybody checks out the video recommended to me by Marty Topps, hilarious comedian. Uh, Candy by Cameo. We watched it before we recorded tonight. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. And what a great song, too. Check great it out song. on YouTube. Candy by Cameo. So that's your wish for humanity? That everyone well, checks pretty out much. That? Yeah. It's such a good song. Picturing a man, uh, a man who's lost his family in a refugee camp somewhere in the world, hearing this and going like, this is my last chance for happiness. Well, he hey, pulls if up he's got if he Candy did, yeah. by It Cameo. would work. If he has the ability to download a podcast, he can also... <laughs> stream youtube <laughs> put that podcast away um my wish for humanity would be peace on earth so everybody gets along but also not realistic not, but, but not get along too much that we run out of evil men to do episodes about <laughs> here, here 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 here's the evil men 
Well, thanks so much, Mike. That was an excellent, thorough episode. One that was also very chilling to the bone. It was actually deeply evil. So thanks for uh, teaching us that. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you again on another episode of This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. So